Good morning to you and a happy Friday. Congratulations on making it. Some of you, nip and tuck, but you are here. Good for you. Awesome to have you join us. A uh, bit of a bit of a wet morning. All right. So say uh, the least. Do take it uh maybe a bit easier on the roads if you're driving. If you're traveling. Is very, very hazardous. I will point out, I know all of you are excellent drivers. Practically mm, practically so Indy five hundred champions. But uh, when the roads are wet, you need a little extra time to stop. I was doing about 40 on the Eisenhower this morning. Okay, that is a menace to society. No, I was probably one of the faster cars. (laughs) It was pouring. (laughs) Yeah, I was probably going about 60. I normally go about 90. Yeah, Yeah. all right. (laughs) You you brought it down to 60. (laughs) That's awful nice of you, Miranda. So uh, do be be careful out there. and, And obviously, I think as the morning goes on, there'll be some other issues. We'll keep you updated on that the rain is supposed to be with us off and on for a while and and i guess to a certain extent we needed the rain a lot of people are welcoming of at least just the concept not, not of all rain. At, not all at once yeah they just don't like it when they're actually yeah. driving to work don't worry though we've around. got about seven days forecast of rain literally road, you so. are kidding yeah. like it's 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 yeah oh. But there are some; it's some pretty severe uh, rainfall and we do have a flash flood warning in effect flash flood yeah. Or watch. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned a flash flood watch. watch. I'm still not clear on the difference between watches and warnings. A watch is it's possible that it could happen. I should a watch warning for it. is it is happening. It's happening. Got it's it. It's about to happen. Ten four. We are under watch mm-hmm. stage, and think about those people in uh, th- that their homes were devastated or damaged by oh, the, the tornado yeah. Sunday yeah. night, and now you've got water pouring in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, on, uh, insult to injury, right? right? Um, I think it's fair to say that a lot of people who might have been classified as essential workers over the last year and a half, and that can be everybody from, you know, we've heard about folks that work at grocery stores or, or pharmacies, you know, uh, 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 deliveries, truck drivers, Law enforcement, et cetera, all the way to doctors and nurses. Oh, yeah. They have been right on the front stretched thin to the breaking point, possibly. And we're learning a little bit more through a a series of strikes that our hospitals are, if I'm to believe the nurses, Judy, woefully understaffed. Right. Well, in the county, um, including Stroger and Cermak and, you know, the county hospitals. County hospitals. Yeah. So they're claiming that they're having major um, staffing shortages, which, if you think about it, we've been talking about for months There's and months shortages in everything else, right? right. Why yeah. wouldn't there be in the nursing field? And uh, the county would point out that um, this this was happening way before the pandemic. They but the pandemic just already, made it worse. Right, made it worse, exactly. I mean, when hospitals start to fill up. I know this to be true n- n- anecdotally as well. My my friend who's an ER doc uh, was, was relaying to me about the hours and that, and, and it's it's difficult. Listen, it's a calling. Can we acknowledge if, you, if you're a doctor or a nurse, you work in an emergency room, it's a bit of a calling. Mm-hmm. It's more than just uh, I go to my job, if you will. You, you've invested in it, and you want to help people in many ways. And he said the real difficult thing was as short-staffed as they were, as stretched thin as they were, as 
exhausted and fatigued as hospital staff was, he still felt bad for taking time away. He still felt like because he he knew that if he wasn't working, it made it more difficult on other people. Right. And I was like, wow. And he says, so I, I have to force myself to get some downtime, to get some rest. Because I know it'll make me a better doctor. I know I'll make better decisions. I know I'll be better for my patients. Right, yeah. But exactly. I know when I'm not there, they're still scrambling. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, and yeah. so there's there's a real sense of of uh, responsibility, I think, a lot of people in the medical field have. But th- this was, a, we had nurses kind of go on strike for a little while. There's There's talk of more people at least associated with the hospitals, the county hospitals going on strike today. Uh, yeah, the staff uh, yesterday about nine hundred nurses walked out. Wow, it's funny from what you just said, which you know usually they are very concerned about. It, but they did have some contingency plans in place. They knew they were going to do a one day walkout. Yeah, I guess. Um, and and today I believe it's uh, staff like you know um, housekeeping, the support and staff, support and staff. And yeah, they're but gonna, that's still I mean, right. Yeah, that can shut down a hospital just as quickly. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny because when I was reading the story, I was thinking, well, where's all the stimulus money? Because they want to raise. That's oh, yeah. what it's always. I mean, they're they're in a contract dispute. That's why they're they're not walking there, out a, to. There's, yeah, a, there's a contract dispute, of yeah. course. They're not just walking out to protest some horrible well, but, conditions but, uh, that just I, popped I, up. Um, but, I will acknowledge that. But it appears that when you hear about some of the staffing numbers, they're operating on fifty or sixty percent of the staff that they should have. Right, but the county will argue that they've hired you know eight hundred nurses in the past uh, year. You know, or recruiting at least. Right. So, yeah, it's whoever you want to believe. But everywhere the fact there's is, shortages. Yeah. How they, is there shortages in employees everywhere? Yeah, if if there's shortages, crazy. shouldn't there be over in some other area? <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Like, like well, okay, we don't have enough nurses over here, but we've got a ton of blanks over here if they left the nursing profession and went somewhere else. Well, and broadly, if there are all these shortages, and but we have all these people on unemployment. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's connect the dots here. It's ridiculous. Right. People just aren't working. Um, so yeah, we desperately need that. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, while they while we have these walkouts at you know Stroger, Shermanic, Providence, I mean, um, they're obviously making amends and they have been taking. They were yesterday. They you know a, a elective surgeries that sort of thing. They had to had to postpone. Postpone. Like yeah. Well, they, they had the uh, hospital was on on diversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I worked as an EMT before in a paramedic ambulance. So uh, when you're on diversion, you have a patient. You pick them up. You put them in the back of your, your ambulance mm-hmm. and you deal with dispatch on where are we transporting this patient to. And if a hospital's on diversion, even if it, even if you're down the street from it, uh, you may be say, well, no, you can't go to this hospital usually because it's full. Uh, the emergency room is full. They don't have room. And you sometimes have to drive longer distances right. to take your patient to a different hospital. Same thing, I guess, if you would need some more critical care and you needed to go to a better hospital, right? Or a higher level. I bet. I bet when, right, right when, yeah. when, when, I mean, if the emergency room's full and there are no beds, it's full. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it just is. And, and regardless of the condition of the patient, they have to take them somewhere else. Um, if you have your vaccine, this, 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 this probably doesn't affect you. If you don't, you've, maybe you've heard about the Delta variant, but Judy, what the hell's Delta Plus? I don't that know. That can't be good. And is? You know what? Nobody good, right? really. 
It's yeah. Delta Plus. Exactly. I know, right? It sounds like you're, you're flying first class. You're in Delta Plus. Right? I got extra leg room now. I'm Delta Plus. No, it's not. It's not extra no. leg room. Um, so there are 200 known. That's how new it is. It's like, brand new. It's yesterday new. Yesterday 200 new. 200 known cases uh, worldwide got it. of this new Delta Plus uh, variant. Variant of the variant. It's a variant oh, of God the variant. Sake. Yeah. So, you know, it just keeps mutating, right? Right. So Delta Plus, for short, it's a version of the Delta variant that was first detected in India. Um, it's they don't really know. They they it's a little bit more severe, like always. You know the plus. Well, um, yeah, I would assume. Yeah, and they're uh, they're still studying whether it may be more um, transmissible, which it probably is. That's an, assume it's worse. Assume whatever like you thought it was before. Delta variants, assume yeah. all the other parts of it are worse. Here, yeah. Here's something, and uh, you know they always pay attention to while. And let's be thankful for the fact that hospitalizations and deaths due to COVID ha- are declining and rapidly. And even I just read this: almost every death now are people who aren't vaccinated. Well, including people in the hospital. So uh, those that are hospitalized from COVID, vaccinated accounts for one point two percent, and deaths due to COVID. From vaccinated was, I think, half a percent. Yeah, point. I mean. So in other words, and again, my, my buddy the says yeah. everybody that is in our hospital right now that is battling any degree of COVID from a very mild to you're in the ICU are unvaccinated at this point. Yeah. So so the Delta, the Delta plus variants and just your run of the mill COVID are basically going to weed out the weak now. Right. So we're it's talking gonna, it's the gonna get the it's gonna get the slow gazelle. It's like the it's like the lion chasing after it. And the unvaccinated are the ones that are gonna be affected by this. Those of you that are vaccinated, you'll never see the inside of an emergency room. Yeah. I mean you might get sick, yeah, but it won't be that get, bad. Yeah. You get the flu. You might get some variant of what right. you would call the flu. So this Delta Plus specifically, the mutation affects the spike protein. I don't know what that the is. part of the virus that attaches to the cells that infects. This that is more information than I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the part of the virus that attaches to the cells that it infects. I mean, so it's just an added burden as they, you know, d- is a good way to look at and it. And I, I don't mean to be more callous than I normally am, but I really think that it's going to affect like the numbers moving forward, regardless of what they do. And, and and acknowledging that if you lost a loved one to COVID in the last week, that is a tragedy for you, your family, your loved ones. Full stop. One is one is a tragedy to you. The numbers are irrelevant. I don't think there's going to be a ton of sympathy moving forward from the mass public. I, I think we've gotten to the point now that if we're 60, 70 percent have at least one shot, those people have done it. Those that chose not to get it. I think a lot of people have come over to my side of the fence and say, hey, you had your opportunity. You chose not to. Uh, you're deathly ill or, you, or you're, 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 your loved one passed away from it. We're sorry about that. But, you know, there is something you could have done. I mean, I'm just well, talking about I, there, I mean, there ho- is something you could have done. Yeah, hopefully these, these you know, daily stories. I mean, I, I, there's no other way to say it, right? It is what it is. Yeah, the unvaccinated will get are, people, filling, are in the hospital. Yeah, to That's get, it. and dying. I mean, that yeah. death toll, that was pretty surprising to me that, Nearly every death, ninety nine point something percent, yeah, to yeah. someone who's not vaccinated. Not vaccinated so, so. I mean, just things you have to consider as yeah. you or not as you hesitate. But again, if you want sympathy from me that there's something you could have done to prevent this and you chose not to, again, I use it like hey, you, 
You were driving drunk and you got in an accident and died. I'm sorry you died. You were driving drunk. You know, I mean, well, guess what? You brought it on yourself to a certain extent. So we shall see as those numbers continue to evolve. <laughs> there we go. Good morning to you. It's Bruce, uh, Judy, and Miranda. Although you heard a little bit of DJ Cheese on the remix. He's, uh, he's spending birthday day with his kids. Good for him, right? Mm-hmm. We hope he has a wonderful day. Yeah. Yesterday was technically his birthday. Today, we'll make, make it a three-day weekend. Birthday weekend. weekend. Birthday weekend. Thank you very much. It's you. slightly better than birthday that? month, birthday right? Yeah. <laughs> I usually do a birthday year, so mine never stops. Yesterday, we talked to Arlington Heights Mayor Hayes. And uh, uh, the reason we were talking to the mayor of the village of Arlington Heights is because the Bears, your Chicago Bears, um, are certainly making a lot of uh, moves, certainly uh, uh, talking seriously about packing up the team, moving out of Soldier Field, and heading out to Arlington Heights to the point that they've put a bid in on the horse track property, the the entire facility, obviously with the concept of you build your stadium, you got your parking, you got whatever businesses, hotels around it or whatever, and turn into a bustling bears town out in Arlington Heights. Yeah. Well, uh, the mayor of Chicago, of course, just looks at this as, you know, uh, just posturing of, just yeah one of their i'm trying to think about football term they're just you know making uh, a play okay all right and she um she just thinks it's a ploy for negotiations they they obviously want more yeah in terms of i don't really know what we, we, field. i say we the city of chicago just spent nearly a billion dollars renovating soldier field recently yeah in the last yeah. few years um, uh, i mean yeah, you it's know, a nice it's, stadium yeah. now it is a uh, uh, it's a nice stadium, full stop, period. It's also the smallest stadium in the NFL. And I think really? the Bears care about that. I, I, you know, I think if you're the owner of the Bears, you're like, why are we leaving money on the table? Yeah, they want a bigger stadium. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Much and better. I don't think you can build a bigger How many one people, there. What, what's the difference? Is it like half as big as most stadiums? Or Bears, uh, I want to say Soldier Field holds 61,000 people, all right? So... Uh, 61,000. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at other stadiums, um, oh, God, you've got some of them can hold up to 100,000. MetLife, 82,000. You know, stadium, uh, you, you, so you, you certainly, maybe around 20,000 extra seats you're leaving, but that's not the only point. Then you've got, you know, with these new stadiums, like the one the, the Rams and the Chargers play in L.A. If anybody's flown into LAX recently, you fly right over the stadium. It is a monstrosity. <laughs> but it's also, it's got all the new fangled Technology, stuff. Technology, yeah. That, that people want when they go to the games. Do mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? No, I don't. I just thought oh. you went to the game to watch football. No. But yeah. Yeah, right. A pool. Oh, where, you, where you can, yeah, where <laughs> you, you know, can bat. And, yeah, I don't understand. So yeah, it's more. Yeah. Of, That's like more saying people a, go to Cubs games for baseball. Come yes, on, yeah, I go for the hot dog. There you go. So the uh, fifteen dollar drinks. The yeah, it's great. <laughs> so the, so it's the all daily, about money. 
It's always about it, it's a for profit business. The NFL is a. I mean, but a, it's funny. The There's Bears nothing. Are a company. Yeah, but it's not like they're losing money, right? They're still making money. They're in, and you know, yeah. obviously, they want to make more. You're on. I want to make more on the lakefront. I mean, it's such a primo spot. They're not going to. You they can't say renovate that. it bigger, of course. No, I think they're, they're no. exactly they're maxed Again, out on how like much money they can do. It's like iconic, you know. But you're I right. Don't I think, uh, yeah, most people would be like, adios. Well, you say that. So uh, there was a poll done. The Daily Herald commissioned a poll. Um, and found out Chicago area residents, two thirds, want the Bears to move out of downtown. Two thirds. Two thirds. And then we thought, okay, so we talked to the mayor the other day, uh, Mayor Hayes of Arlington Heights, kind of about you know where he stood on the idea of them moving out. <clears throat> Arlington Heights residents in this same public opinion poll, 83% in favor. So they're fine. They're they're the important ones, really, if it's going to go there. So and then when you're talking about the suburbanites, you're talking about the outside areas of Cook County, 77%. So it appears that, again, if the city of Chicago and the mayor want to roll their eyes at the idea of the bears moving, it appears that a hell of a lot of people are pro- totally on board with it. You're not going to have uh, uh, people linking arms on Lakeshore <laughs> Drive trying to stop the trucks from leaving. Do you know what I mean? They'll be there going, hey, you guys need help packing? Let's uh, what do you, Let's go. Let's roll the field <laughs> well, up. Well, but when go. you think about it, I wonder how much, uh, you know, uh, other revenue the city mm-hmm. makes from the Bears. I mean, I you know, because I think people go to the game and they leave. They don't, okay. they don't linger. It's cold out. Yeah, it's not yeah. like it's that so, sort I, of an investment. I, I don't and know if you've been to other stadiums. So the the kind of thing with other stadiums, I can use the one in, in Phoenix. It's technically in Glendale. They moved out of Phoenix, moved to Glendale, which is a, a suburb. But they put hotels around it. They have one of these like open air walkways with restaurants and shopping. So you come early. You spend your money doing stuff. You go to the game, then you leave, and then you have a dinner or you have yeah, a drink um, or this, you pick up a T-shirt or what. This is Chicago, and football is played in the cold weather. <laughs> right, yeah. So none of that. Yeah, I see that, but I'm saying for Chicago, for the for the Bears, I don't see that. I was in St. Louis. I went to a restaurant that was across the street from the baseball stadium there, and that whole area around where the Cardinals play is all. It's like this manufactured, it's like a fake street scene. It almost yeah. looks like Disneyland. You that's, know, it's like, all the, that's like Wrigley Field now. Yeah, it, to Wrigley, a certain yeah, extent. Yeah, Wrigley has that. But that's kind of the way. That, here's the thing. The teams, in many cases, they own all that property. Mm-hmm. So they get to develop it. So not only do they have football revenue, they've got restaurant revenue and store revenue and rent. And and so the part of their deals are, well, we want to control everything around this place. Mm-hmm. Why would we want to bring people to the game and send them to somebody else's hotel? Go to our hotel. Right. I'm just saying, in Chicago, the weather precludes that, right? No one's going to... I don't see people doing that that much. (laughs) Idiots. They will come. Hey, I'll tell you what, Nick. You put enough uh, drinks in front of them, and they'll uh, they'll come early and stay late, right? Still time, though, for our criminal of the day. And I got to give a shout-out to a yet unnamed man at Lake Waco, Texas, who learned what not to do during a traffic stop. Important safety tip. You guys all pay attention to this, okay? 
allegedly. The man was driving erratically, using the wrong side of the road, and nearly struck a Texas game warden's truck before he was finally pulled over. The game warden suspected impaired driving as a man struggled to provide answers and couldn't manage to turn the radio down. By the way, extra points if he was listening to the Bruce and James Show podcast. <laughs> the driver sealed his fate when in an effort to free up his hands and get situated, he handed the cop his open beer can to hold. Oh, Game, nice. set, match. So, for providing police with the evidence needed to arrest you for driving under the influence, you, Texas man, or the Bruce St. James Show criminal of the day, all suspects described above, should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law, no matter how crazy they are. A check of the headlines on the way, and then we're going to be back. Uh, it's a story that we've been paying attention to now for a day. This building collapse in Miami. ABC News Jim Ryan is there and can give us the latest on the search for survivors over 24 hours later and what? Nearly 99 people are still unaccounted for? Could they potentially be in that rubble? We're talking about it next on 890 WLS. It's the Bruce St. James Show right here on 890 WLS. Hey, good morning to you. It's Bruce, Judy, and infant producer Miranda in the studio today. Um, you and I, Miranda. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're invested in the Britney Spears saga. Oh, yeah. We have to be. Where I was kind of aware of Britney at different points in my life. When Britney broke on the scene. Biggest pop star in the world. Okay. I'm not going to say I was ever a fan. Not my style. Fair enough? Yeah. And then when Britney kind of went off the rails a little bit, I started paying attention again. Apparently, Britney Spears gone off the rails. <laughs> Shaved her head, things like that. A little crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Tabloid fodder. And then I hadn't thought about Britney in quite some time. I'm not going to lie. I don't sit around. Well, going, she hasn't been around, right? Hashtag, what's Britney Spears up to today? Right. But a recent documentary came out this year. And a court hearing this week has brought Britney Spears front and center again. And it all revolves around the concept of a conservatorship. Now, I think it's important to point out, I've learned more about conservatorships than I'd I knew previously my entire life. There are people out there who are probably in, in need of this. Mm -hmm. There are people who legitimately and legally need to have somebody literally run their lives because they're incapable of doing it on their own. And it's for their own protection and their own good. It's really hard when you look at the facts of the Britney Spears conservatorship to make that argument. That she is incapable of having a credit card. She's incapable of having money. Of making she, a doctor's appointment. She's incapable of doing anything on her own. But she is perfectly capable of touring, mm -hmm. performing on stage. Raising two children. Being a business, being an industry in and of herself. Britney Spears, Inc. That is run, managed, and basically owned by her father. This guy has a vested interest in her and people continuing to think she's incapable of running her own life. Right. So when you just described what a, a conservatorship is, I, I still don't know what it is. 
Well, I because so what, this is the you court? just described two. You just the court the court killed your own argument of what it should be because she obviously they went capable. before thirteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Her father went before a judge when she was having I a think- mental episode. Would be an, uh, I, 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 and I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose exactly what she was dealing with, and said she's a, a danger to herself. She is a danger to her children. She needs supervised care the judge literally granted her father jamie spears conservatorship over her life to where he makes what it is control control every single decision every decision yes so uh i'm picturing the judge in a white wig and powdered face no that's that's the era i'm thinking of yeah okay so wednesday Ms. Spears goes before the judge. We only had transcripts originally, but now we actually have Britney Spears speaking on her behalf, trying to end this bizarre control. Mm. I mean, that's uh, right, girlfriend. Exactly. I think she's making a hell of an argument. I, I got to tell you, the thing. By the that, way, she sounds pretty sane, crystal yeah, clear, and normal. Uh, now, she she in these court hearings said she was forced to take lithium against her will mm-hmm. and other medicines. It, it sounds to me like they wanted her drugged up on uh, uh, you know at some point. Some of it may be she needs us to get better. I'll acknowledge that. But her father also had an IUD implanted in her to prevent her from getting pregnant or having more children. And she told the court she is unable to go to a doctor or make her own appointments and have it removed. Seriously, on that point alone, that point alone, Mm -hmm. this entire case should be thrown out. It's ridiculous. It is. Having watched the documentary like you did, Miranda. I was surprised to find how difficult it is to get away from a conservatorship. Yeah. That 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 it, the the one lawyer mm-hmm. in the Los Angeles because this is happening in mm-hmm. in L.A. County. The one lawyer said that was asked, "Who does this?" Is a conservatorship attorney. Yeah. Do you know of any case where a judge has reversed the conservatorship and, and done away with it? And the, and the lady sat there and looked at the camera and goes. No, I've, I don't, that's never happened. She said not anyone that I've been I, a part of. But, oh my gosh, yeah, that was beyond just disgusting. Yeah, apparently she, that never happens. Once you get just, under this thumb, you can never get back out from under she, it. Brittany does not live with her parents, correct? She has her own life mm-hmm. and her dad's over here just pulling all the strings. But she, she has a residence, but she has people in that residence that work for the watch dad. her, yeah. That that work for dad basically, and are there to control her movement, handlers. handlers thank you very right. much. Prison wardens, babysitters, I mean, babysitters, literally right? babysitters. They spies. Feed her, they give her her medicine. They control her whole entire life. I think her dad took advantage of her when she was without in a bad a doubt. situation, and he's not letting her go because he doesn't know what to do without. She's her a money. sixty million dollar industry. Yeah, of course, it's all about money. Jamie Spears Empowered. has no marketable skills. Okay, he has no source of income other than 
living off of his daughter. Mm-hmm. Britney Spears also speaking in court on Wednesday. It's two. It's two thousand twenty-one in America. Again, if she was completely incompetent or incapable, if she was constantly suffering from some sort of a, a a mental ailment and and had no ability to do that, you could make an argument. Mm-hmm. This. She was perfectly okay sorry, to in, go on stage right. every single and night. In thirteen years, nothing's improved. No. Nothing's improved. She no. planned. It's the holy- same thing. Her Vegas residency, that was all planned by her. The choreography, the music, yeah, everything. She did the whole thing, she but she everything. was forced to do the shows. Her dad is the one that negotiated and signed the deal for her to do Vegas shows. Let me just pre- make a prediction Quote, unquote, here. her management. Free Britney. Britney's going to be free soon. Free Britney. She's going to be free soon. Hashtag free Britney. Hey, thanks for spending some time with us today. Happy Friday. Mm-hmm. Microphone checking. Supreme neck protector. <laughs> like, I don't know Method Man. Oh, you don't know, you know me. Know. You don't know me. I, if you don't I, know the little meth. I put this in here for Jay you. Jay Premier, come on now. Links and Drinks Open uh, Golf Outing is coming to Klein Creek Golf Club Monday, July 26th. That's right. You can come out, play golf with uh, all of us. Uh, mm-hmm. And by all of us, I mean, you're really going to want to play with John Howell, probably. Yeah. Chris Plant, you'll want to play with him, Ooh, right? Oh, Chris Plant. Yeah. Great guy. Um, Judy is going to be, you're running the beverage cart. I'll have a drink cart. with you. You're having mm-hmm. the beverage cart. And I oh. am, uh, uh, for just for the um, uh, the safety of others, uh, I'm not going to be hitting golf balls, uh, just so I don't harm anyone. Uh, register <laughs> now at WLSAM.com for the Links and Drinks Open. It's happening at Klein Creek Golf Club Monday, July 26th. A great excuse mm-hmm. to play hooky on a Monday. Come out and play some golf with us. And don't forget, you could win trips, money, and tons of concert tickets. Oh, Literally. Yeah. Like, like everything. A ton. When I say like, a ton, it's a ton. A, a, Two pages. Right? We couldn't even read them off. Each other. How about this? Anybody you've ever heard of? <laughs> Pretty much, you could win tickets to see and all kinds of cool stuff. Again, WLSAM.com to get registered. Uh, our buddy Mark Conkle, you know, he's mm-hmm. a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, mm-hmm. journalist. Don't know if you knew that or not. I'm, I'm legally required to say that every time we introduce him. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Patch.com, Mark is on the road. <laughs> on the road again. And you are uh, traveling around, learning things. And, and, and Mark, I, I, I want to bring you into the discussion because I saw your piece you did. I was, I was drawn to it because of my hip-hop background, my, my roots in music, um, and the connection between Chicago and Atlanta. So first off, let's say you get down to Atlanta, Mark. Right. We've had this conversation on the air, me being the relatively new guy around here. There is a perception of Chicago outside of Chicago. What are you finding when you tell people, hey, hi, how you guys doing? I'm from Chicago. What's the reaction? Well, you know, I mean, it's it's the Chirac reaction, mm. um, especially over the last 10 years or so. You know, people are people do say like, oh, you know, it's really bad there. You know, I've visited some of my my girlfriend's family and they're like, well, you don't live in the in the in in that part of Chicago, right? You? Like, well, yeah, well, technically, yeah, I do, so. <laughs> but it, it's all right. Uh, it, 
I like it. It's fine. Um, everything's great. So you are—that's all they want to focus about. And then they say, "Well, right. everything's nice downtown," and it's just kind of like the perception. The perception of Chicago is based on you know what they read and hear and see in the media. Well, you know, part of that though is music. And part of that is, at least from the, the Chicago music scene, if you will, some of the, the popular, at least rappers, hip-hop groups, when they talk about Chicago, they talk about a very specific part of Chicago. They're not talking about Navy Pier. They're talking about violence and gangs and uh, drugs. True. A lot of that. I mean, and, you know, but it's it's kind of amazing that some of these rappers are moving to Atlanta and it, it, it raises their brand. Um, and it worked for little Dirk. Who's a rapper from, you know, Inglewood. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came down here and he got a number one record, knocked Taylor Swift off the number one spot of all things. Um, Does he give him cred when you're in Atlanta? If you're from Chicago, does that give you street cred? Well, according to some of the people I talked to, I, I went down there and I talked to, uh, um, a columnist at the, uh, Journal Constitution, which is the big paper down yeah. there, and an independent journalist. And, it, you know, George Cheney, an independent journalist down there, just said, you know, when you come down here, it's a branding thing. It gives you some cred. You know, you, you, it's the number one music city for rap right now, Atlanta is. And, um, you know, all the critics and, you know, the New York Times, you know, the billboards, they're looking at Atlanta for the new best, freshest, uh, hip hop, rap, yeah. music. So, did that used to be Chicago? Is that what you're saying? And it's now Atlanta. Like they stole, no, no, no. they it's stole always, our busiest it's airport it's first, and now they're taking our. <laughs> <laughs> they they do brag about that. They do brag about their airport traffic, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> but no, you know, rap has always been East Coast, West Coast, New York, L.A. Um, and but you know in the last ten years the drill rap scene which is really this, yeah. like authentic street rap where you know Chief Keith King Vaughn who mm-hmm. was murdered in Atlanta a friend of the Little Dirk you know a lot of that came up you know almost ten years ago and um, you know it was it was pretty big streaming you know um, there's not a lot of album physical album sales in the rap game no and uh, you know Little Dirk's record with uh, Little Baby. Um, you know, climb the truck because of the stream. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to, to Mark Conkle, a Pulitzer Prize winning author with Patch.com. And, you know, something that I, I know and that I've learned, and we talk about kind of the the content of music, that there is, it, it, when it comes to rap music, hip-hop specifically, it is the voice of the streets. These artists are talking about, rhyming about, rapping about their reality, about what they know. And as I know, I know Judy, you're like, well, I don't like that they're talking about violence and drugs and things in songs. The flip side is, it is, that's their version of the newspaper. I don't, I, yeah, that's you, you fine. I don't, like, they're that talking I don't about like their it. reality. Yeah, here's what I don't like. Are they, do they push that violence narrative? I, mean, I I think it's just a matter of them being realistic about it. Exactly. No, but when I gonna... when I say that, I mean, do they specifically say in their songs 
go out there and kill no. the police. So no. go no. out there and okay, that's what I'm saying. They're talking about their own experiences and what yeah, they've been through and what they've yeah, that's in absolutely fine. And that's yeah. that's we sh- they should be doing that. Yeah. I just would. I'm yeah. I'm. I don't like the whole violence thing surrounded by with. But rappers. that's their reality. Their reality is mm-hmm. that there is violence around them all the time, from the time they've grown up, all the way through the through the game. And and Atlanta, Mark also has a, a an issue with violence. Don't think that Atlanta is some sort right. of squeaky clean city. Yeah, it's just as right. bad as Chicago. Right. Well, you know, there's a, a city councilwoman down in Atlanta. While I was down there, raised the question to um, a police official during a committee hearing. The city council committee hearing asking, like, are people from Chicago moving down here, you know, with this newfangled violence trying to take over? Oh, you know, you know, the the assistant police uh, chief, you know, his answer was, we don't know. But the fact is, is that, you know, Chicago gangs uh, have been moving to Atlanta for some time now and setting up, you know, um, you know, satellite offices. Yeah. Yeah. You know. You know, these these you know the gangster disciples you know that's a, that's the national criminal organization the yep. black disciples um which are affiliated with some of these rappers and down in atlanta one of the things that was interesting was that the local uh, state's attorney filed a uh, an indictment like a hundred count indictment against a bunch of gang members um, including um why uh this rapper called lucci who is like a pretty big name rapper you know nationally and, you know, we don't see any of those kind of indictments coming out of Kim Fox's office. Oh. And the, conne- the connection between the reality of gangs and the art of rap, you know, it, it's a thin line. Yeah. You, you know, I listen to, you know, I, I listened to Little Dirt's new album, you know, on repeat while I was in Atlanta just because I and, <laughs> and read all the lyrics that are on, like, my Apple Music you know, right. app or whatever. And, you know, it's like some of the stuff comes straight out of, you know, for us, the newspapers and right. for them, mm-hmm. their personal experiences. You know, they're talking about real people, real places. Mm-hmm. And as soon as, you know, the day after uh, Lil Dirk's album dropped, you know, his brother was murdered at uh, Club O, a strip club down in Harvey. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't know, what, what, you know, what that was about, but you know, it's really close to home. Right. And you know, I called, I called Lil Dirk on his cell phone. Nobody to talk to him, and I thought that you know maybe he would talk to me. But, you know, it was probably about 1030 in the morning and, you know, he, he, he sounded, you know, really sad. And this was like two weeks after his brother died. He said, you know, my brother died, my brother died and he hung up. So, you know, this is, you know, this is a, the reality for him. You know, he's charged with attempted murder down in Atlanta. Uh, there's allegedly a, a videotape of him shooting a gun from a car. Um, you know, so they are the, very closely related to uh, violence. I mean, that's hardly any. It, it's almost impossible to separate the two. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Hey, Mark, no, thank you very much. Appreciate it very Thanks, much. Mark. Mark Conkle with Patch.com. His piece is called In Atlanta, Everybody Influences Everything for Better and Worse about Chicago's influence on Atlanta and maybe a little bit of vice, vice versa there where, uh, yeah, the perception is and the reality is, well, it gets a pretty pretty thin line. Tough to tell them apart mm-hmm. uh, between uh, are you uh, an artist, you know, singing your song, rapping mm-hmm. your song, uh, and how much of it is is real, truthful, and concerning. Hey, thank you for spending time with us this morning, Bruce, Judy. She is infant producer Miranda, and joining us right now is ABC News' correspondent, Mark Remillard. Mark, first off, good morning. Hey, good morning, Bruce. You uh, were our guy 
during the entire Derek Chauvin trial that ended in a conviction. And today, maybe the, the, the final chapter, if you will, is going on in Minneapolis, the sentencing phase. What are we looking at today? Yeah, so I will say this is probably this is the final chapter for the state phase, but uh, he's got federal charges, too. Wow, so, I forgot uh, about will, those. We, we will see him back in court, uh, maybe not on camera, but uh, we'll because we'll, they don't have cameras in federal court, but we'll see him again. But uh, what's going to happen today around 2.30 Eastern is uh, the sentencing for Derek Chauvin, and the state will go first. They'll lay out their reasoning why Derek Chauvin deserves a, a tougher penalty than the state guidelines recommend, which right now that's between about 10 and 15 years. Uh, they'll go first, lay out their case. We'll also hear victim impact statements, and that's expected to include several members of the Floyd family who will address the court. Then the defense will go and make its case for leniency and why they say Derek Chauvin uh, deserves a lighter sentence. If, In fact, that they, they don't want him to spend any t- more time in jail. They want time served and probation. Yeah, and then uh, the last thing that will uh, likely happen is uh, Chauvin will have an option to address the court himself if there's anything he wants to say, if he wants to apologize or appeal for a lighter sentence, whatever. We don't know that he'll take that option or what he might say, but that would obviously uh, be his right to address the court. But how likely is that really? Yeah, you know, it's a, I'm not sure. He he didn't. He decided not to testify during mm-hmm. his trial, um, and so, you know, it's... You know, he's got an appeal going on. They've already asked for a new trial. I wouldn't expect to see him apologize or admit any wrongdoing in this. Um, I just I just wouldn't expect that. But he may certainly uh, he may ask the court for a lighter sentence. You know, there's a lot there's a number of reasons why the defense has said that he deserves a lighter sentence. And I think one of the chief among those things is, you know, he has no criminal history. And according to the defense, he is a low chance of a re- repeat offender. Wow. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the prosecution has said that there were aggravating factors that warrant a tougher sentence than the state guidelines of 10 to 15 years. And they've asked for a 30-year sentence. And the judge in a filing agreed with most of those points and said that he did find there are aggravating factors. that he Right. And the judge to... used some strong words, too, right? Yeah. Tipped his yeah. hand a little bit, I mm-hmm. thought. Yeah, he agreed that Derek Chauvin abused his position of authority as an officer in uniform at the time of the crime, that he treated Floyd with particular cruelty. Uh, Those are just two of of a couple of aggravating factors, which seems to indicate that he's probably more willing to go up from the 10 to 15 years than down. Uh, But, of course, this this all goes down to this judge. Uh, Derek Chauvin waived his right to have a jury find his sentence, and so the judge is going to make the choice in this. We're talking again to ABC News correspondent Mark Remillard, who's been covering the Chauvin trial since day one. Uh, help me understand again, what is the worst case scenario in this for Derek Chauvin? Yeah, the worst case scenario is uh, maximum sentence under Minnesota law, 40 years. 4-0. Um, and remember, okay. 4-0, 40 years, yeah. Um, and remember, he's got three charges that he's been convicted of, second-degree unintentional murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. The way it works in the sentencing uh, is he's only going to get charged or sentenced on the top charge. So he oh. doesn't get sentenced on the third-degree murder or the second-degree manslaughter. He's only going to get sentenced on the second-degree unintentional murder charge, and that carries the maximum of 40 years. But 
very unlikely that he gets that. Prosecutors aren't even asking for that. So I think that's a good indication that he's probably not going to get 40 years. Just as likely that I don't think he's probably going to walk out of there with time served in probation either. Yeah, somewhere in the middle. middle. What about those federal charges you mentioned earlier? What are those and, and what kind of a sentence does that have? Yeah, these are these are significant. Uh, these these were uh, uh, civil rights violations uh, that he was charged with um, in two separate cases. Uh, uh, three charges of civil rights violations um, against him. Excuse me, two civil rights violation charges against him in the in the George Floyd case. Then a separate civil rights uh, violation in a in a previous incident that happened a few years. Earlier, it was uh, 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 I think it was 2018, in which it was similar circumstances. He had pinned a juvenile down uh, uh, using his knee, and uh, and also I believe struck him with a flashlight or, or something like that. So he's facing federal civil rights violations, and those could um, carry a significant mm. penalty. Uh, I don't have it off the top of my head what it is, but um, what the, what the penalty is. But that could be years in jail, and and that's an incredible um, again federal prison in this case. So he's facing some serious charges there. But remember, too, the other three officers involved in this incident, they're also all facing uh, mm. federal charges as well as the state charges, too. And and their trials are coming up as well. Thank you very much, Mark. We appreciate it. Eyes will be on Minneapolis this afternoon as Derek Chauvin is sentenced after being uh, convicted of second-degree unintentional murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter, facing, as you heard, maybe a maximum of 40 years Although the like, yeah, defense will be arguing he's already paid his dues. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, yeah, we'll find out the It'll reaction. Be somewhere it's all in the comes middle. down to the reaction, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and will people think it's fair? And I don't know if there's a number that everybody agrees on, quite honestly. I, I, do, I don't know. I think as long as it's as long as it fits the crime, I feel like people okay. will be happy. But I, that's subjective, yeah. Miranda. Do you know what right. I'm saying? I mean, for no, some people, it's wrong. very subjective about that. Hey, good morning. Happy Friday. Even though it's a little bit wet outside, right? We're going to jump right into our 7 o'clock hour, taking a look at the big stories people are talking about. Judy, speaking of wet. A flash flood watch in effect across much of the Chicago area. That's until tomorrow morning. And Whoa. rain and storms expected to linger for days. Shout out. To your Chicago Cubs. For the first time in franchise history, they had a no-hitter with four different pitchers. And the even better part is, they no-hit the Dodgers. Miranda, what do you got? Former police officer Derek Chauvin is set to be sentenced for the murder of George Floyd today. That's right. It's coming up this afternoon. Mm -hmm. We just learned it uh, from our our buddy Mark Remillard. So, um... I feel the need, just we need to say it every once in a while. It's awful moist outside. Okay. Visibility, little little iffy in some areas. Lots of water coming down. Mm-hmm. Judy was about yesterday days old when she learned that roads are crowned, that the middle of the, 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 the road is higher than the side, so the water tends to pool up on the sides. Oh, wait, what? Okay, you were today years old when you found that out. No way. You didn't know that. No. That's why you always see the water on the sides. The water tends to congregate like on the shoulders because the top of the road is higher. So the water rolls like a roof. You ah. didn't know that. It's not, I'm mo- I'm it's not huge. <laughs> it's not like the, the yeah. middle of the road's three feet higher yeah. than the side. But it is. They, they do that on purpose. But that's mm. not to say you won't drive through some flooded viaduct you know, no. in the middle of the road. Right. It's just. But hmm. 
Generally. Leave a little extra space if you're driving out there. If, you, if you're on the Dan Ryan, a few extra car lengths so that you can slow down. If you're on Lakeshore Drive slash International Speedway, you need to be, be yeah. careful it's on the curve. slippery curbs. out there, people. Slippery when wet? Yes. Oh, we ought to, we ought to yeah, trademark we that. Yeah, that, right? right? <laughs> uh, speaking of safety, which we just were, right? Mm-hmm. We've got Rich Goodice with us. Rich, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on today. You are the head of the OEMC, for goodness sakes. You're basically responsible for my personal safety at all times. That's the way I look at it, Rich. Absolutely, and we're going to do the best we can to keep you safe. God knows I need the help. I genuinely do. Now, we're coming up on the summertime, and I'll say, aside from the the, the rain and the, the weather we have right now, summertime brings up some of its own own real challenges for people here in Chicago. And and that's why we wanted to talk to you. What What's at the top of your list? What concerns your office? Well, you know, just, you know, the different weather seasons bring different challenges. And they don't want to um, um, take light on the fact that we just did have that tornado oh, that yeah. took place in the suburbs that, that could have made it uh, our way towards Chicago as well. So that's certainly something that we keep a close eye on. Uh, we actually activated our uh, tornado sirens um, a- as well wow. for that uh, event that took place um, Sunday uh, night, yeah. days back. Now, the um, last year we did have a tornado pass through Chicago. Um, I want to say it was August 10th, uh, EF1 tornado, and we pulled our alarms um, for for that day as well. So that that'll bring winds up to uh, well over 100 miles an hour. But you know, just speaking of heat, uh, we don't want to take warm weather and and hot temperatures for granted. Not only could it be a, a nuisance for us, it could also be very dangerous. So that cumulative effect over a series of days is something that we um, keep an eye on here. And what kind of, you know, when talking about heat, what kind of, um, you know, uh, inquiries do you guys get? Or what are, what are people calling you guys for help? Yeah, so, you know, we average anywhere about 20,000 calls a day to the 911 and 311 system. Whoa. And that's certainly something we keep an eye on. Um, you know, I mentioned the cumulative effect. You know, we just had some warm temperatures the last several weeks with 90 degrees um, uh, buildup. I wouldn't say it's totally unusual, but for early June, it's something we're keeping an eye on. You know, we keep our eye on the temperatures when, they, when they're above 100 degrees for, you know, a couple of days. Now we keep an eye on the temperatures, overnight temperatures, and make sure that they're dropping. You know, in 1995, uh, we obviously had that heat wave that took place in Chicago where we didn't get much relief from daytime to nighttime, meaning that temperatures stayed hot during the day, and they also stayed hot during the night, which caused uh, a lot of the problems that we had. Yeah, that, that that's when the, the health emergencies start coming in. Again, Rich is with the Office of Emergency Management and Communications, the OEMC here in Chicago. And, and you know, th- this is kind of new to me in that sense. I come from a place that's hot all the time, Phoenix. We we are, I would argue, maybe a little more in tune to hot weather, things like staying hydrated, monitoring how long you're out in the sun, etc. It comes more second nature to those of us that maybe lived right. in the desert. We, we run out into the sun and we stay there for right. long periods but, of time. But, and, and you don't know what you don't, don't get know. Enough. And you're unaware maybe of, of what you're doing to yourself. I got to think dehydration is a big issue. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right, 100%. You know, I grew up here in Chicago, and uh, I got 52 years plus of um, uh, summertime activity so far here. So 
Um, you're, you're right. When as soon as the temperature breaks, everybody runs outside, and and we forget that it could take a toll on on your body just because we're excited to be out in in some nice weather. And that cumulative uh, effect, I know I keep saying that, is something that people have to be uh, wary of. And you do have to stay hydrated and drink water and certainly not booze um, to access. uh, All right, you just lost me there, Rich. Yeah. (laughs) You got to balance it out. Yeah. And and Rich, you know, our, our older uh, uh, residents, our, our, our parents, our grandparents, or our neighbors that are a little older, they're really kind of more at risk during these summer months, right? Yeah, our vulnerable population is something that we workshop and talk through um, every year in preparation for warm or uh, excessive weather of any kind. Um, certainly, you want to check on your neighbors, check on your friends, check on your relatives. Uh, we do really put a uh, good message campaign um, just to underline how important it is to um, check on our fellow Chicagoans, and especially our vulnerable populations. Yeah. Hey, Rich, just right now, today, this minute, we're dealing with, you know, severe storms and yeah. a lot of rain and flooding. Any advice for people on that um, score? Because I know the flooding is people, again, don't think about it no. because it happens so quickly. Right. And, you know, you guys kind of touched on it as I was listening before we came on. Um, you know, when you see flooding water in the streets, sometimes it can give like a mirage type effect. You certainly don't want to drive, drive through anything that you even think is going to be unsafe. Drive around it, even though it's a little bit of an inconvenience. Uh, not only could you damage your car, you could just put yourself and, and others trying to help you in, in, in jeopardy. So I would caution on, on, on that. Mm-hmm. And that's something else that, that we look at. I mean, there's a whole spring cleaning that we get into leading up to just the spring. It means cleaning our catch basins, uh, the water department uh, going out and, and, and uh, doing side streets and looking at main arterials that may have may be prone to flooding for a variety of different reasons, and certainly our Vidox as well. So that's something that we do keep an eye on. Rich, really appreciate your uh, your words of wisdom today and the work that everyone over at OEMC does for us. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Thank you, you. got it. And uh, again, a reminder to be a little, little smarter. We do have that flash flood watch, watch in effect until tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Judy... What's your house look like? Um, it looks like it's flooded all around it already. <gasps> really? My sidewalk's completely flooded. Yeah. It. I mean, I woke up probably around 2-ish, and it was pouring. Oh, and really? It never stopped. I mm-hmm. left at 4, never stopped raining. I mean, and you just have a lot. You, your property, it's just, a, it seems like it's a place, because we've had this issue before. Yeah. It's like you're in a low-lying area. You're I in a am in a low. Oh, my something. gosh. When it, I can't tell you how stressed out. Okay. I get when it rains. I hate it. Because you've done all these. I have done I all call? the mitigations. Mitigation yep. I have an overhead sewer. I had Permaseal come I, in. By the way, did never heard of overhead, overhead sewer, sewer in my isn't life. Isn't that fun? Yeah. I was so, yesterday years old. I can tell you. What do you want to know? I got an ejector pit. I know all about it. I so I have, I, I have all the, but I still worry because sure. I have flooded so many times. You're hardly the only one. Today, oh my right? gosh. And people living near, of course, the rivers, the creeks. You got to be careful. This is a lot of rain we're getting. I appreciate you spending time with us this morning. Bruce, Judy, infant producer, Miranda. Joey is over there on the other side of the double pane <laughs> bulletproof class today. Shout out to him. Um, Thank you. We are keeping an eye on the situation coming out of Miami, Judy. I know that it continues to evolve. We now have um, at least four dead. And this number is just very scary. 159 people wow. now unaccounted for. Wow. 
Right. Yeah, we were saying about 100, so they've upped that. So they must be getting, um, you know, be getting uh, information in all more the time. More information and yeah, checking people, people off their the list or Family whatnot. members were there or people were there. And, you know, oh, it's one boy. of these condo buildings that well, some people lived in year-round. Others, maybe Airbnb, vacation, vacation uh, rental, condo. Whatever, yeah, they right. were there once in a you while. No idea they let friends the use it. Yeah. That right. sort of thing. So, and the rescue operation continues, and they are calling it a rescue operation. So, well, I mean, there could be there. people under yeah, the rubble. But know. my goodness, we'll ke- we'll keep you updated on that as we keep an eye on it uh, on your Friday morning. Um, if you're heading in on Lakeshore Drive today, first off, be careful. It's a little flooded in areas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe the speed limit. <laughs> for a rainy day, goes from ninety five down to seventy five. Mm-hmm. I don't quote me Keep on it around that. seventy. That don't, yeah. don't quote me on that, especially around the curves. Yeah, yeah. I'm be- Listen, <laughs> I know. I drive fast. Full stop. Okay, I make no excuses for it. I call it the cost of doing business when I get tickets. You know how fast you're going? Just write the ticket, buddy. I yeah, guess what? I drive fast. I'm stunned at how fast people drive on Lakeshore Drive. Yeah, I don't get it. It I is mean, amazing. It's the curves. 35 miles an hour. Well, yeah. No. Maybe people <laughs> look at that and they see 85. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> I had a cop right behind me going, I was going 70 and yeah. he was probably catching up behind me. He went all the way around me and then he gave me a look and then I kind of slowed down. But then, then I, you slowed down. I, I, I back up and he and he was like I'm, i gotta <laughs> he go care. he just he was just mad you were in the way yeah he, he made you away. look like why are you going so slow <laughs> exactly but is the name of lakeshore drive about to change the uh, city council is going to vote on it uh today that is, i say today judy they were supposed yeah. to vote on it wednesday before it devolved into a wwe brawl or, or whatever <laughs> right but we're supposed to get back the alderman today and vote on this they we were, were supposed to, yeah, they were supposed to vote on it a month ago. Oh, okay, they, okay. It was a slam dunk. Oh, nope, didn't happen. Didn't happen. Then they were supposed to vote on it on Wednesday. Right. Again, they had all the votes. Oh, didn't happen. Now, and we had Alderman Moron the other day who's behind this. He's, he's the one that came up with the original proposal. Right, right. And he actually, he told us, so it's today, they, because of the shenanigans that happened on Wednesday, which actually had nothing to do with DeSabo. It had something to do with something else. It was unrelated yeah. to DeSabo. But DeSabo, yeah. in the meantime, again, DeSabo was ne- went unnoticed. Apparently, yes. that's because that's what's behind this, even though I disagree. So they um, they had this compromise. The mayor is, she's against renaming Lakeshore Drive DeSabo Drive. Right. She, and she, rightly so, is saying a lot of people don't want it. And I think a lot of residents don't want it. That's my view. Listen, I'm not hurt or offended by it. Yeah, I just... It doesn't affect me does, negatively. Exactly. I, and I, I don't even live in Chicago. I just like the name Lakeshore Drive, and I'm like, enough already. He I has enough stuff. I, I, right. I, I think it is misplaced. Now, mm-hmm. the alderman had some good points Ooh, about why... Alderman Moore. Yes. The guy who came up with the idea. Right. About why it was important to name Lakeshore Drive. Give me How, an example. Because, you know, it's... It's a iconic, it's a big symbol, and mm-hmm. he felt that DuSable needs a big symbol to teach people. Because his argument was, because uh, we, we pointed out parks, statues, bridge, harbor, bridge, museum, are all on the south side. And so his argument was, I, I'm, I'm trying to be fair to him, and I would hope that if, if Alderman Moore is listening, go, Bruce is being fair. Yeah. That, that his argument was, those are all concentrated on the south side, and that is a disservice. It is, it is a wink and a nod, if you will, to those people over there, keep it down there. What I think hurt his argument, though, is 
He said, you know, a lot of kids, black kids, mm-hmm. on the South Side, they don't know about DuSable. They, 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 they don't know the history. And so my argument would be, well, wait a minute. You got all the stuff down there on the South Side. And they still don't they know. Still don't so, know. yeah. How will renaming Lakeshore Drive change that? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if if the kids in the neighborhood going to DuSable school don't know who the hell DuSable is, they're in, let's start there. Yeah. There's your issue. But, and his argument even was to, you know, because Lakeshore Drive goes from the north all the yeah, way to the south. It's it not, it's going to be the whole the whole, bleeping the whole thing. roadway. So even the kids when they see Lakeshore Drive, that's something like, "Oh wow." You know, they don't maybe necessarily a museum, a park, whatever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't doesn't, you know, click with them. But now, oh, this Lakeshore Drive, it's DuSable Drive. Okay, beyond that. But it's not going to be called DuSable well, Drive. That's what, so that's what they wanted. They originally DuSable wanted. Drive. DuSable then Drive. the mayor. Rip the signs right, down and change them. The mayor said, here's a compromise. She wants Millennium Park. Say, But they wouldn't the go for The Riverwalk. So the Riverwalk. So yeah. they said, she said, okay, how about DuSable Lakeshore Drive? Both of them. And they, that was the compromise on Wednesday. And the... Alderman said yes. No, the alderman said, you know what? We, we're going to go back to our original. We want it to Sabo Drive on Friday. So now here it is Friday. And the new and the latest swing is, well, you know what? Maybe we'll take that compromise because I think what's happening, and this is a tactic. Remember, a month ago it was supposed to be voted mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. Then on Wednesday. Then on, now today. As more time passes, they lose more votes. I think they hear right. from more people. They hear go, from people. They, it's, not... Yeah, we're talking about it. It's a lot. It's now it's the buzz. Yeah. So now they're going to try. To, they're going to vote on the compromise, which is oh, Dusabo Lakeshore Drive. Not if it has the, to, if it's going to happen, I would rather that than just Dusabo Drive. That's for sure. Can I, can I, one point of clarification? The correct name, and I will expect when Nick is doing traffic, for example, and there's a manure spreader that jackknifes on the LSD, <laughs> that he says, traffic is backed up on Jean-Baptiste DuSable Lakeshore Drive this morning, right? Because that's that, that's their compromise. <laughs> yeah. Lump it all together. Unbelievified. Can you see what that sign would look like? Think about people coming to town. They're driving along you, you're looking for directions and you and you and you see a, a street sign and you go by and go, honey, what the hell did that street sign say? I don't know. It had a genre. It's in gonna there. be like there a little a no. there was drive. It was like eight <laughs> different words. I couldn't read it. We went by it too fast. Back up and go read that sign. Yeah. And then according to the Alderman, people are gonna go, Oh, who was the Sabo? Let's go look him up and learn about him. No. Does anybody do Real quick, who, how many of you do driving down the Dan Ryan right now? Have you Googled Dan Ryan lately? Wasn't he a politician? No? No? I don't know. Yes, Whoa! but he was like a county politician. Yeah. It wasn't. Uh, I'm smart. If that's all you know about it, <laughs> yeah. I would argue it didn't necessarily work naming the, the, the road after him. Definitely hey. not. Hey, good morning. It's Friday, and we appreciate you spending time with us today. She's infant producer Miranda. Uh, Judy Pye is over there. I'm Bruce St. James. And join us right now. Talk about a, a serious issue, and, and one that I would argue is near and dear to my heart as well, is Joe Reagan. And uh, uh, Joe Reagan is with Reefs Across America. Joe, good morning to you. Well, good morning, Bruce, and to all of you. Happy Friday. Hope you guys are uh, well this morning. We are. A little rainy here in Chicago, but yeah. we're going to survive. Why don't I'm going to let you explain Reefs Across America. Well, of course, Reefs Across America, the most visible part of our mission year by year, is every holiday season laying wreaths on the graves of uh, our soldiers and veterans. 
at over 2,000 cemeteries across the country. Um, but it goes well beyond that. We look to remember, honor, and teach um, all about the ser- service and sacrifice of our uh, service members, veterans, and their families. And um, this Sunday is Post-Traumatic Stress Awareness Day. And so we've taken some time to, last night we had a conversation with some experts um, to talk about post-traumatic stress and how that can impact the lives not only of our active duty service members, um, but also our veterans and uh, their families as well. Yeah, so this this Sunday, National Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder and Injury Awareness Day, and I think that the, the awareness part, we talk about all these, I hear about breast cancer awareness, all these, I think, I get a sense that people know a lot about that. Like you say awareness, I'm like, I think people know what it is, they know what to do. PTSD, I think it... The definition is blurry at best. How do you explain the PTSD to people, Joe? Well, you know, it's funny because you mentioned, you know, that awareness, and folks have definitely heard of PTSD. And in the past couple of weeks, there's been several studies that have come out and looked at pe- what people's perceptions are of post-traumatic stress. And there's a tremendous stigma associated with it, and not a good one for that matter. Um, and a lot of misperceptions about what PTSD is and how it can be treated. Um, and it's a spectrum. And, and I think... There's a lot of clinical ways that we could describe this, but the best way to talk about it is PTSD is, is someone's past fighting with their present. Mm-hmm. And so it's these things that are happening in the moment that might bring back a memory associated with combat um, and, uh, and forces them to kind of relive that moment in the present, which can be very scary. And sometimes it can be just for a, a brief second, and other times it can be for much longer. Wow. Um, and that's why it's so important for folks that when they start to realize these things are going slightly off, um, to ask for help early so that earlier intervention can help to um, prevent problems in, in the long run. And, Joe, what do you want, if I may, the average Joe, to, to know about PTSD? You know what I mean? What do you want us to know about it that's important? You know, most people, when, you, when asked about post-traumatic stress, they think that individuals that have, are suffering from post-traumatic stress um, are, are dangerous or unstable, and that mm. couldn't be farther from the truth. In fact, most folks, like myself, are walking around in the communities um, being, you know, perfectly functioning as, uh, as best they can. And the key to that is that early intervention piece, so asking for help. And uh, when I came back from my first deployment, um, I remember going through our mental health uh, department, and you had to get kind of screened for anything. And the mental health practitioner, he asked me, he said, what's the worst thing that happened on your deployment? And so I told him, uh, and he looks at me and he goes, oh, it's, it's, it's really bad. He goes, are you still you? And I said, yeah, I, I think I am. And I, in reflection, I looked back at that moment and I said, well, part of me really believed it was true. Um, but the other part of me said, well, if I say no, right. then they're going to kick me out of the military. What happens, right? And it was a suicide bomber attack on my platoon. And every, oh. every member of the platoon was, was wounded during the attack. Um, thankfully, all of us survived. Um, and when we came back, all 30 of us went through there and said, yeah, we're all good. Um, but unfortunately, two years ago, one of those soldiers um, took his own life and partially probably because of that event. And um, it's because they weren't able to get access to that. And, you know, if you look at the veteran suicide rates, um, the majority of veterans who do take their own life have never actually sought help from the Veterans Administration. Well, so it's, well, then it's, it's it's not really a matter of not the resources, right? But it's a matter of maybe the stigma or people understanding that they, that they have it. Do even, yeah, are, are even aware that you are suffering from yeah, it. I mean, because you were one of form. those people, right, Joe? You didn't probably didn't even realize it. Exactly. You're exactly right. And I think that you, part of you realizes that something's a little bit off. And we've put a, a lot of investment in um, 
crisis intervention for, for suicide crisis intervention. Um, but we really did look at, at this as being an area where we can go pre-crisis and where can we make those investments early. And, you know, last night on Reads Across America Radio, we had uh, this conversation involved uh, some representatives from the Travis Manion Foundation. And we talked about finding purpose and the importance of our veterans finding purpose in their lives and giving back to their communities um, because it's those small things, it's those social interactions, the ability to interact with others and find a way to give back into their community that in itself can have positive benefits or someone. And I, I look at it and I say, you know, we talk about post-traumatic stress, but we really need to find opportunities for folks to find their post-traumatic strength. Mm. Um, and that's where you can see that healing happen early on. And you can see our veterans come back and really thrive in these communities um, and do quite a amount of good. Hey, again, we're talking to Joe Reagan with Reefs Across America. So, so Joe, I think you've done a great job of explaining. By the way, thank you for your service as well, and welcome home. Um, yeah. you, we've talked about PTSD. We've talked about the issue. Um, we've talked about the stigma. How can people help? And, and, and thinking about this Sunday being PTSD Awareness Day, or even your organization, Reefs Across America, everyone talks about supporting our military, supporting our veterans, wanting to do something for them. All right, Joe, I'm going to give you a chance to tell people, put your money where your mouth is. Okay, here you go. Well, I think the first thing is for, for folks that might may not have served or might not have someone um, that served in the military, um, it's just being willing to listen to these types of stories. And some of them are very uncomfortable. And But never be afraid to ask folks questions about their service. And I know sometimes it can be really difficult. But the biggest hurdle that we face in getting access to care, the, the greatest barrier in mental health care that we face as veterans is ourselves is the unwillingness to stand up and say, hey, something's off a little bit. And uh, we had a rep from the Defense Health Agency that was on, and he, I think he described it perfectly. He said, you know, if you're playing basketball and you twist a knee and you come into work on Monday and you're limping, someone's going to look at you and say, hey, you're limping. Are you okay? You yeah. Say, yeah, 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 I'm fine. You ice it, you rest it. You know, if you're still limping on Friday, people are going to look at you and say, dude, go to the hospital. you got to see a doctor about this. You don't have those visible symptoms with someone um, struggling with post-traumatic stress until you're really well into the crisis mode, unfortunately. So we have to be willing to stand up ourselves and say, hey, something's a little off here. I need, I need help. Outstanding. Joe, thank you so much uh, for the work that you're doing and for uh, – we're trying to destigmatize PTSD and certainly let veterans know there is help. It is treatable, and uh, it does get better, right? That's a great, a great message to let them know. Absolutely. And like I said, the more we can get that out there and, and tell people that asking for help is a sign of strength, um, so do it. Ask early and uh, you know, continue to thrive in those communities because we need you not only in uniform, but we need you in our communities once you leave uniform as well. Here, here, Joe Reagan with Wreaths Across America. Thank you very much for your time. Also, if you would like uh, to learn more and uh, help, Again, they're the ones, the group that puts wreaths at veterans' tombstones around the holidays. Uh, I've seen it at uh, 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 different It's It is a powerful message, yeah. and it's beautiful. WreathsAcrossAmerica.org. And you can find out more information about that as well. Thanks a lot to Joe Reagan for keeping us in the loop on that. Hey, good morning. Do be careful out there, obviously. It's pretty darn wet. If you're headed in, if you're thinking of getting ready to head in, leave a little extra time. Roads are wet, some traffic issues out there, needless to say. Um, but maybe a bit of perspective, you know? This building collapse uh, north of Miami Beach. I, I think the thing that that is most interesting is the wrong word. Concerning about it is, there's a randomness to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think 
I think a lot of people, whether you live in a condo building, apartment building, you're in an office building, are like, so these things can just collapse? Well, like, we of course, we don't know that. That's, but, but, yeah, we're hoping that's not the case. How, how, the, how the hell does that happen in, in, in modern days that, that buildings, without an earthquake, or you know, mm-hmm. they, we don't know of any external force yet that, that happened upon this, Mother Nature, if you will, but for at two in the morning, for a, a condo building to collapse unto itself, it's still pretty shocking. Well, yeah. I mean, when you see that rubble, it's it's like the pancake effect, right? It just fell down one story after another. And, you know, in the, the video of it, the video came from a um, security camera that just happened to be pointed in that direction. And I got to tell you, it looks like the, the video of this condo building in... Surfside, Florida, just north of Miami Beach, looks like one of those planned demo. Like you know, they have these old buildings that are going like to tear an them implosion. down. And and it just goes down in a heap. It doesn't tip over. It doesn't fall into the street. You know, it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't damage the buildings around fly it. Fly everywhere. It just falls down into itself. And I still think it's odd. We're more than twenty four hours removed. And the details are still pretty sketchy well, regarding victims. Yeah, because the search and rescue is still underway, right? They, I mean, we see them. We see the pictures of them out there with dogs, and they're still. Yes, but this building searching. collapsed in Miami. It didn't collapse on the surface of the moon. How how is it? How how can we not figure out and get to the bottom of this quicker? Well, first of all, it collapsed at two in the morning, so we're talking about you know nighttime, and it was you know this is the first morning, right? We're on it, and. No, you know, and yesterday morning was the first morning. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Yesterday. Oh, it has been 24 hours. It's yeah. been over 24 yeah. hours. Come okay, on. Uh, Let's start moving some stuff here. Are you kidding? These things take forever to figure yeah, out, there's right? there's people trapped underneath it because we're learning now, Judy. But are you that, saying why don't we know what happened? No. Why, why don't we know more about the victims and why aren't they moving that stuff quicker? If there's people okay. trapped underneath it. Well, I, I would just, I'm no, I'm no engineer, but I would think you have to be so careful when you move one big piece of concrete, right? Yeah. So Listen, something if else I'm doesn't shift? trapped underneath a building, I want you guys to start moving crap quickly. Let's get that out of the way. Let's get going. Now, there is some concerns, though. The, well, first off, we had the potential victim. I don't know what, what the missing persons Unaccounted for. Unaccounted for. Thank you very much. This morning it was 99 people. That number's gone up. 159. Unaccounted for. Does Unaccounted not mean for. they're in the rubble. Does not mean they're under the building. Just means we don't know. Right. And you know what? That's We we use words like that. Instead of missing, missing would be we know they were there and they're now. We don't okay. Know okay. Unaccounted for, you would hope, means... Maybe someone's in France. Could have, could have been Can't away. get a hold of them. We don't know if they were there or not. There's a there's a, a 21 year old student from the University of Chicago, there. You know who was, the, was supposed to be there with his girlfriend in okay. one of the condos. So it's things like that where we don't. Maybe they didn't go to the condo that night. Maybe they. You, so unaccounted for at least ha, does have some hope. Um, and four dead now. We're up to four dead. So this building was 40 years old. Literally built in 1981 and. What Which I, I would think I consider rather new. Yeah, that's not well. Certainly we have in that area, year old buildings, right? Without a doubt, yeah. right? But at forty years, at least in Florida, you go through like this big building inspection. You know, the the, the building inspection people come over and they 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 check it all out. So this building was the forty year check. Your forty year checkup. This was in the middle of 
their checkup. They were they were it already started the process in some way, shape, or form. And for this building to collapse like right at its fortieth birthday just well, you seems wonder odd. if that has anything to do with it, right? Oh, did what they, were they did the checking? Inspection uh, yeah, what what's mm. an inspection mean? And I would I am not an engineer. I just don't know. So maybe someone does. A a twelve story building. I I would think that you would build it so that if one, if something started to collapse, the other ones wouldn't. No, it I, almost, all buildings are, they can't withstand. So it's that. over. If so, if one little thing happens, everything goes down with if it. If one floor collapses, usually you're you rarely get one floor collapse and it stops. The the energy why, of the one was, floor hitting the next floor causes that, and then you have double the energy hitting the next floor, and then you have triple the energy hitting the next floor, and that's how. I mean, it that's why they demolish me in this buildings day and like age, that. I can see why they demolish them, but when you build them, I just feel like you would have something to stop that. When one collapses, there would be some mitigation there that would cause it to fall off the sides or something and not crash. You know what I'm saying? Like, why is it built that way that it would just, oh, we had a problem up here. Everything's going down with it. Yeah, but I, I, but I don't know where the problem was. Was the problem at the top or the bottom? Oh, man. Yes, we don't know anything. That's Do you see problem. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And I was just reading about, you know, it is Florida. Salt. Salt air. How how Does devastating salt the, can be. The, yes. the, the metal. They right. said part of the inspection process, normal inspection process is you you cut the drywall and you look at the steel girders, the beams inside to see if they show signs right. of erosion or rust or whatever might might be might be going on and it's still unclear as to when was the last time that building passed an inspection uh, what another thing sinkholes they have that issue in yeah. Miami all the time this building is is yards from the beach is it possible you know that that the sea level or or storms have eroded in any way shape or form the ground underneath it i don't know but it does seem odd for a 55 condo units to collapse into themselves yeah. uh you know on a on a on a Thursday morning in Miami but we continue to keep an eye on it again that local angle where uh some Chicago residents potentially amongst those unaccounted for an important tip that Judy points out that with that wording is important that does not mean that they are victims. It means we don't know where they are specifically at this point. But 159 people unaccounted for right now in that building collapse. As America comes out of the pando, as we're going <laughs> to call it, right? <laughs> yeah. Hashtag old normal. Um, we see economic activity picking up. We see air airlines. Uh, air traffic, the TSA says, you know, more people. We're back to almost pre-pando levels of people traveling. Uh, you see the crowds uh, here in, in in downtown Chicago. Get Tried getting a, a reservation at a restaurant. People going out and about. Things are recovering. But, and you know what they say, nothing before the but matters. <laughs> Illinois is not recovering at the same rate. What is going on? Joining us right now is the chief economist for the Illinois Policy Institute, Orfe Devonge, and uh, really appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. So what are we seeing, at least as far as the recovery goes? Yeah, no, I mean, there's a clear departure uh, relative to the rest of the country. Illinois actually uh, lost uh, roughly 8,000 jobs. Uh, on net last month, 
while the rest of the country is recovering. Um, so, so we're seeing this, uh, this kind of divergence and that's, uh, that's kind of scary. You know, the, 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 clear, the numbers are looking, we're looking at are, you know, you have, uh, among those who were unemployed last month, 19%, one in five almost, uh, left the labor force, right? To quit looking for work. Uh, it takes roughly, uh, six more weeks for Illinoisans to find work relative to, to, to the rest of the country. Uh, so, so we're seeing, you know, troubling signs that our recovery is on hold. Well, the $64 million question, I guess, Orfe, is why? Yeah, what's unique? Yeah, I mean, you know, you have a couple of things going on. So you have cash-trapped businesses, right, that are still struggling. Uh, so they're not uh, opening, they're not investing. Business taxpayers are not investing as much, and they're not opening jobs. They're not o- opening uh, new vacancies at the same rate as the rest of the country. So we, we see our private sector recovery is sluggish. Uh, the, the latest budget doesn't help, right? So the governor uh, uh, basically raised taxes on business taxpayers. We had four new tax hikes on business taxpayers. Uh, you know, you're not going to invest if uh, the cost of investing outweighs uh, the potential returns from that investment, right? So, you know, uh, that's the problem uh, with the private sector in Illinois. But also, uh, local governments are still cutting jobs. You know, we lost 10,000 jobs uh, among local governments, uh, local governments uh, in Illinois last month. Uh, we wonder why they were still cutting jobs. I mean, you know, it, you, you have at the beginning of the pandemic, you had basically uh, governments that had no rainy day funds and, and also mounting debt, mounting, uh, you know, pension debt and pension costs. And so it's clear to me that even with the federal dollars, uh, you know, if we're still having to cover our costs rather than, uh, you know, our costs and our debt, rather than actually uh, trying to invest and bring people back to work, uh, that's going to be uh, problematic. Yeah, but I mean, we talk about stimulus money and we are talking to Orfe, uh, uh, please, your last name. No, I Oh, yes, Orfe from the Illinois Policy Institute. When you talk about the stimulus money, though, I mean, we're talking a lot of money that these cities and towns are sitting on and businesses. Where, why isn't this money being invest, uh, invested? Well, absolutely. I mean, in the case of Chicago, for example, we, you know, we were, uh, you know, debt service costs and pension costs were rising at uh, twice the rate of, uh, you know, uh, uh, of the economy, of income. Uh, and so, uh, you know, when you're, you're strapped with debt, uh, strapped with debt, uh, you have to, you know, that money is going to have to go and keep up with rising pension costs. Uh, and so uh, I don't think that those, those dollars are going to find themselves into uh, new investment projects necessarily to keep uh, uh, government workers employed. Uh, you know, we're seeing massive cuts at the local level. Uh, the cuts are continuing. Uh, we're seeing a slow private sector recovery. And so it, it, it all makes sense, uh, why Illinois is, uh, has fallen behind. Uh, you know, it, ultimately, the only way to fix that problem is to actually address the drivers of our, of, of the cost of government in Illinois, which are basically, uh, the overwhelming power of, 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 uh, public sector unions. And our rising pension debt. 
and and I don't hear a lot of people talking about that, Orfe. That's uh, hardly a hot button talker for for a lot of folks. I mean, where the rubber meets the road, and the concern you know for for listeners and and their families out there is, it just means it's going to be harder. Uh, to find a job around here, right? I mean, and, and people in Illinois specifically um, are not participating in the recovery, at least to the same levels other people are. That's right, and, and it's not their fault, right? It's uh, it's just bad policy, bad public policy. Uh, you know, the good news is that we re- we reopen our economy, right? So, uh, so we're hopeful that next month things are going to improve a little bit. Uh, but we need support. You know, usually in bad times, uh, government steps in, right? So in bad economic times, when private sector spending falls, government usually steps in. Uh, but Illinois had no rainy day fund. There was no money to support families, struggling families and businesses. Uh, and, and so, of course, uh, our, our downturn was uh, among the worst in the country. And now we're sitting at the eighth highest unemployment rate in the country. Uh, and while the unemployment rate in the rest of the country is actually decreasing, Illinois' unemployment rate is not budging. Ugh. I just, I don't get it. We talk to business owners every day who are say they're struggling to hire people. Can't find folks. Can't find it. Yeah, it's just, it just doesn't make sense to me. There's like some disconnect here. That's right. So, so you have some industries that are recovering pretty fast, right? They, you know, the industries that were, that, that lost the most jobs, during the pandemic are the ones that are rebounding uh, very somewhat mm. faster. Uh, and so those industries are, are going to open open vacancies, but they're going to struggle to get people back to work if those people, if those families are actually sitting on a very generous uh, unemployment benefits and transfers from the federal government. Stimulus money, so yeah. there's, that, there's that story too. Uh, but, but when you look at the aggregates, uh, what you see is that Illinois is actually has actually losing jobs, and uh, and that uh, uh, you know unfortunately we're not opening new vacancies at the same rate as the rest of the country. Yeah, it's the problem. Orfe Devonge, we really appreciate your time today, Chief Economist for the Illinois Policy Institute, with the headline: Illinois job seekers are twenty six percent less likely to find employment compared to other U.S. workers as we come out of the doldrums, as we head into hashtag old normal. Illinois is not keeping up with, and as he pointed out, a lot of it is the taxes, the regulatory environment in the state of Illinois, where other states are much more um, open and welcoming for business. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Shockingly enough, the businesses are going there. And the jobs are going there. Let's hope that uh, uh, saner minds can prevail around here. There we go. Uh, in from producer Miranda, who's that singing? Billy Joel. You read it. Yeah, one hundred percent. You don't know who Billy Joel is? Um, we sing one of his songs in jazz choir. Okay. I uh, it's not coming to me, but it was really he's hard a, harmony. He's back he, in the old days. He has like a thousand. You know, he's got a bunch of songs. Songs. He's yeah. got more than one. Uh, Judy uh, and uh, I'm Bruce. We we know who Billy Joel is, by the way. I hope so. I've seen him. I've seen, seen him a couple times. Billy I've seen Field. him with uh, mm-hmm. with um, the Elton John. They did the I I saw them too together. I saw them a couple times. Yeah, yeah. phenomenal. Like right back in the eighties or was that when it was? Well, they've done it, it more than once. Long time ago. They've they've kind of gone out. I've and, gone to every 
final, final, final Elton John concert. There's been a lot of those. <laughs> I mean, and give me a there's break. another final Wait, tour yeah, coming he's up. Coming here. He's coming again. He's coming to Soldier the, Field. I swear, this is my last tour. <laughs> I swear, tour. I've been to all he's of coming. them. Yeah, needless to say, that it's never. It's like the Rolling Stones. I went Why to one of those, I went to the Rolling Stones final tour thirty years ago. Is it is, is the is a ticket worth more when they say that? I mean, it's ridiculous. Yes, they, they're trying to get. I, mean, you to I cry. I say goodbye, and then <laughs> and they're then back once the you next leave the year. Venue, they're like, and you can come back and see them. Yeah, again here's, in your, six here's your ticket for yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, I learned recently about the Delta variant to the COVID virus. The Delta variant is one of the ones that we found that came came across the sea. Made its way over to the United States. It's the dominant variant now in Illinois. But just about the time you got used to hearing about Delta, the hell is Delta Plus? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna be simple here. Dumb it down for me, <laughs> I'm please. Dumb it down. The Delta Plus it. is not very different from the Delta variant. It's okay. The same Delta variant with one additional mutation, but it might be resistant to some antibodies. Oh god therapy so they just don't you know it's like everything we hear with the coronavirus it's well we don't know a lot right now but i was gonna say there there we're at the stage now where we know enough to be dangerous mm -hmm. and and we keep finding out little little pieces that kind of make you go i I only turn around and say i think the only good news is that even with the variants right now if you are vaccinated you stand a much better than average chance of surviving, even if you come into contact with it. Right. Let me put it this way. The experts say if you're vaccinated, yep. there is no reason to panic. Well, I didn't panic before, so I'm not going to okay. panic now. Let me, let me rephrase that. If you're vaccinated and you get the Delta Plus. No whoop. No you, big whoop. Yeah, you might get sick and you, it might be kind of a severe-ish mm, sick. You're not going to go to the hospital. You're not going to die. You're not going to be on a ventilator. Yeah, if et you're not vaccinated, then you should be very, very concerned about the Delta and the Delta Plus variants. Well, what we're finding out now is all across the country, uh, and it, it the numbers are, I use the term, it's irrelevant to where you are. New York, Chicago, L.A., Missouri, Florida, Montana. Oh, so I can't run away from this? The people who are in hospitals being treated for COVID and the deaths, although lower that are being attributed to COVID have one thing in common. None of them are vaccinated. That's right. The unvaccinated are getting sick and dying. That's not a surprise. I mean, that that's what we were told from the get go. But when you look at hospital, you look at the COVID ward, you look at that again, I have a friend that's an ER doctor in California and he says, I, I haven't treated one vaccinated person because I they I don't see them. They don't make it to the ER. <laughs> you know, they don't they don't come here. They're not coming in in need of oxygen. They're not coming in and going into our ICU. He goes, they're not the ones that are dying. He goes, we just it's not the vaccinated ones. Right. Ninety eight to ninety nine percent of Americans dying of the virus are unvaccinated. Yeah. Those are just the numbers. So straight up. Kind of is and what you're right, is. like we're we're up to I think we yesterday we had eight deaths in Illinois. Deaths are way down. Way yeah. down. Yeah. There was hundreds. Yeah. At one point. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, people, I think those people hesitating or not wanting to get vaccinated, they're going to look at those numbers as good numbers. Yeah. They're going to play yeah, the odds. Gonna, yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 
They're right, I guess. Yeah, you can play the odds. And and playing the odds, the only thing I would say is that, and it's interesting because I, I, I remember there being a bit of an evolution with you, Judy. But the more <laughs> people I talk to, I get a sense of, and we really do have these kind of, we live in two worlds. Um, But if you choose not to be vaccinated for whatever reason, from conspiracy nut to you, 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 whatever you, whatever right. it is. Maybe you have a health issue. Maybe you had COVID. Whatever, maybe whatever it is. Whatever your reasoning is, I sincerely hope you're not expecting sympathy or empathy from those that are vaccinated because none of the people I talk to are vaccinated have any sympathy for those who choose not to get vaccinated and get sick. Oh, well. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I, I, I had a, a Facebook friend, anti-vaxxer, government plot, all this crap. Then I see the pictures from his significant other. Pray for him. He said, uh, I see you. He got COVID. And I'm like, I'm sorry you got COVID. I will refer back to all your Facebook posts about how this is a hoax. And yeah. you know what? Um, I hope you get better, but if you don't, you brought it on yourself. I see. I just my tact is more because there are a lot. Some people are just afraid. They're afraid of getting the vaccine. So I'm I'm making it my mission. Some people are afraid to wear their seatbelt. Yeah, yeah. But okay, when they go through the they're windshield, not afraid. okay, they're, they that's don't, your problem. They're dumb. Not mine. They're irresponsible. But I mean, there are some absolute people who just they're afraid that something's going to happen or that something has happened in the past that. They don't trust the the vaccine, whatever. So I make it my mission to just inform them. I'm not like you. I just inform them. Well, here right. are the facts. I tell them don't like, do here it. Here are the I new care. facts. I say I'm vaccinated. I literally don't okay, care. Okay, yeah, that's what you do. where we part ways. I literally don't care. Yeah. I go. I, I you know, I got my vaccine. You know, I go. I wear my seatbelt when I drive. I go. I take. Do you I have family me. members who aren't vaccinated? Yes. Me too, and that so that's why I don't want to be so harsh. But my significant no. other won't get the vaccine. Yeah. All right, that's then bad. it's like if you get sick, then you're harming me. What, no, you'll be fine. You've got the vaccine. Yeah, but like then I have to quarantine because he got COVID and he affects my life, but he doesn't want to get it because it's not FDA approved. Yeah. So well, we'll you'll have nice memories of Ben, yeah. if nothing else, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> we got it. Happy birthday uh, to Cheese. Cheese's birthday was actually technically yesterday. We had a cake and we sang. Mm-hmm. After the show, and he is spending time with uh, his kids today. Good for him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Long, long weekend. He's growing for him. up so quick. 33, I think he said he was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's always a little, he's yeah, also grew, a little bit delusional. They, but grow, up, they grow up very, yeah. very quick. Or they grow back very, very quick. We have to go back about 13 years. 13 years ago, 2007, is when Britney Spears, the pop icon, at one point, the Biggest music star in the world. Biggest selling, all this st- heartthrob, thank you. It made the, <laughs> uh, the eunuch. Uh, the, uh, Britney? Yeah. Huh. The schoolgirl uniform came back in vogue, yeah. right? Um, she had um, a health crisis, a mental health crisis. If you watched the documentary, uh, Framing Britney Spears, uh, New York Times did the documentary. It's still available on Hulu, yes. I believe. It's fascinating. Lovely. And I'm not a Britney Spears fan. So I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I'm coming in like, oh, I love this song. I was just, okay. And I got, I got drawn into this. And learning about that as an adult woman, I would like to point out, she's 39 years old today. Mm-hmm. So she was what? In 2007, 13 years ago? Uh, 26? 26 26 year old. And when you say she had a mental health crisis, what happened? 
Exactly. I mean, well, how bad so was it? In the in the documentary, a lot of it appears to be brought on by Justin Justin Timberlake breakup of of a relationship and the constant spotlight. Mm-hmm. She couldn't walk out the front door. She couldn't go anywhere. People would chase her car down the street with a camera on the window. She was the paparazzi's number one, two, right. and three get, mm-hmm. and that she felt. Like she couldn't trust anybody. There was this bunker mentality. She couldn't go out. Uh, and she's a young girl. I mean, and she, right. she wasn't surrounded by people to help her at the time. So she wasn't getting health care that I would argue she probably needed to get. Mm-hmm. No support. And it got to the point where her mental health issues, she had some form of a breakdown. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to diagnose her. She had some form of a, a mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. To the point that a court rendered her incapacitated at the age of 26, basically, an adult child in the eyes of the state of California, and then named her estranged father, by the way, who she did not have a good relationship with, Mm -hmm. as her legal guardian and gave him total control of her person and property. Literally... Everything from medical decisions about her to her roughly $60 million estate. That's I, what I, a conservatorship is called. I cannot believe this is a true story. But like that's you're what making makes it this amazing. Up. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so, so ridiculous. We had Brittany in court two days ago. Brittany was in court. We had a little bit of the transcripts, but now we're hearing from Brittany as she is standing in front of this. Brittany Spears in front of a judge this was uh, they did it teleconference ish or whatever you know he wasn't standing in a courtroom but she's addressing the judge talking about really the, the the last 13 years of what this has looked like for her yeah she she went into detail about all Them's the things that had happened to her and the judge said yeah no we're going to keep the conservatorship in place one of the things that i learned about this and and you talk about how crazy this conservatorship concept is is that Brittany's attorney, she does have a representation in these cases. Mm-hmm. She's paying for the attorney, right? It's her attorney. Right. She's also paying for her dad's attorney. She, Because of the conservatorship, her dad has no other job other than mooching off of his wealthy star daughter. So she pays for all of the legal to fight. To keep, she's paying for both attorneys mm-hmm. to fight it out in court. It's so gross. Like, how? And could I you mean, do is that? the attorney really her attorney, or is it hired by the conservatorship? Conservative. In the documentary, it appeared that, that her yeah. personal attorney appeared to have her best interest at heart, yeah. but was also very realistic in the sense of it's really hard to get out from underneath these conservatorships. Yeah, the the, the idea that you are incapacitated. An adult child. You need constant supervision. You need a court-appointed person to take care of you. Except she's the one who is touring, making, making money, money, making music mm-hmm. to pay for the conservatorship. That's lunacy. I would argue. I, I agree with her. There's a lunacy in that. I think the point, though, and I, I would argue that. And Judy, you haven't been in this as much as 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 Miranda and I've been paying attention. But I think I got your attention yesterday with this part. In court, Brittany spoke about the fact, testified that she had an IUD implanted in her to prevent her from getting pregnant and starting a family with her boyfriend, by the way. And 
she is not allowed to remove it. She's not allowed to attend a doctor without the conservator. How does a judge not look at that one piece Mm -hmm. and say, what are you doing? I mean, what is that about? She's not allowed to ride in the car with her boyfriend alone. Just stop talking because I'm getting so mad. She wants to marry him and have a family. She's 39 years old. She is forbidden by law in the state of California because the conservator, her estranged father, says she can't. You want to know how much money he makes a month? Thank you, Britney Spears. But his, his salary? $16,000. Yeah, that's his salary. That's what he's been taking. That, that but now, let me also put out. He is the conservator. That's yeah. what he gets paid yeah, so he, to run her life. his salary. Mm-hmm. He's apparently living in an RV park right now. He's a piece of work I mean, in and I of himself. I mean, I think he so. needs a conservatorship, right? Yeah, he has no income of his own. He 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 does. He's unable to support himself. He's been staying in an RV parked in the outskirts of a town outside a warehouse that stores much of the memorabilia amassed over the course of Britney's career that he has. There is that Louisiana, I believe. Louisa Tucky. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you can take the boy out of there. But, but he sold can't. the family home and he bought this RV. I think someone needs to take care of him. Mm-hmm. It is it is a fascinating story, and, and all I would say is. As outrageous, and because it's Britney Spears, and we know who she is, and you think of the videos and the music or whatever, we pay attention to it. She's not the only one. And and I think there's a movement afoot, and I would argue it's a good thing, to at least look at the structure of conservatorships and maybe have more of an adversarial back and forth and allow people to make the pitch that they are no longer in need of such a thing. And you can make an argument she was never in need of it to begin with. Mm -hmm. But boy, there's a hell of a lot of people that have gotten rich off of her being under the finger, under the thumb. People need to go to jail for this. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And by that I mean Jamie Spears. (laughs) There is that. This is Ryan. Good morning to you. It's Bruce, (laughs) Judy, and infant producer Miranda. She's got a bit of a glow right now. Wouldn't you say that, Judy? She's Uh, a... Yeah, settle down there, Miranda. a little bit. Save the best for last. Here we go. Joining us right now, he is one half of Windy City Live. You can watch them every single day here on ABC 7 Chicago. He's Ryan Cheverini. Ryan, good morning. Hey, what's up, Bruce? What's going on, Judy? Not much. Ryan, and don't you want to give a little shout out to your girlfriend Miranda? Yeah, she's so excited. <laughs> yeah, Miranda, and where's my guy Cheese? It's his birthday yesterday. He's taking the day off today. Mm-hmm. Is he really? Did he go to Chuck E. Cheese? He probably did. <laughs> he did. If he didn't, yeah. he's missing he's out. Quite honestly, <laughs> he's missing out on a tremendous opportunity there. By the way, a uh, couple things. Number one, um, every time I get in a cab, I'm forced to watch Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we do. We we lock the doors. I, we, we force you to. I'm watch doing 50 show. mile an hour in the back seat. I can't go anywhere, and you are constantly on in every cab that I get in. By the way, it is so genius. Yeah, now and finally, we're seeing some cabs come back to Chicago. So yep. that's been a good thing too. And uh, belatedly, congratulations on the anniversary of Windy City Live a couple weeks ago. Ten years. Uh, and all honesty, uh, I did not think we would make it this long. Uh, people always say, how long did you think you'd make it? Definitely not 10 years. I thought we would make it longer than the six weeks that some of the media critics gave us. Okay, okay. But I did not think we would make it 10. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. You beat uh, the over-under. 
You know, one the over the... under, I would have put it about. I would have put at uh, four years. Okay, well, and, you, you... and and that would have been a good gambling line right there. You've crushed it. He's Ryan Cheverini, <laughs> and you know, Ryan. One of the things we learned about you that maybe not everybody knows is you were an NCAA athlete. You played football at the University of Colorado. Go Buffaloes! I did. I was a, a walk-on football player. Uh, my twin brother was uh, the star of the of the team. He was our team captain, our MVP. He played for Cleveland, Dallas, and Atlanta. Now he right. is the offensive coordinator at Colorado. So yeah, we uh, we're a football family, and uh, I, I'm actually really elated about the Supreme Court decision. I yeah. think it's huge, and I think it's paving the way for what should be right and fair. Well, let's get into the fairness. Let's get into that because you you have a unique perspective of you were on the, for lack of better terms, the receiving end. And I hear people make the argument all the time. Well, you're getting an education. Isn't that payment enough? Right. And and I don't want to dismiss how valuable the education is, but it's not like they're just handing you a degree. They are giving you a seat to sit in a classroom and get a degree. They are doing that. For uh, a select few that are on scholarship, I, I would say about half the team, 66 scholarships, something like that. But here's the thing. Say, here's the analogy that I want to use. I, I'm Italian. I love pizza. Uh, say I have the most popular pizza place ever, right? I, I open this pizza joint, and we got a line down the street, and it just keeps growing every day. It, we got to make more pizzas, right? So we're making 10,000 pizzas a day. Then I'm making you know, 100,000 pizzas a day. Now I need, I need more people. We're working around the clock because we're making, say yeah. you made 12 billion pizzas because the NCAA made $12 billion of NCAA athletes. Billion, yeah. we're talking. And then I give all the pizzas to everybody else, but at the very end I give my employees one pizza to share. That's sort of what the NCAA is doing. Mm. Everyone else is getting rich. If you look at most states, oh. the highest paid employee in the state is who? Football coach. Yeah. Or, or, or basketball coach. coach. Yeah. Or the basketball coach. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Nick Saban's making $9 million a year. College programs are spending $200 million on facilities, but so, the athletes are living below the poverty line. Ryan, what is fair? And, and you know, we got we got to go on a little bit. So what do you think is fair for athletes uh, to be compensated. The NCAA says they can get what non-educational things now, but even in the in the opinion, uh, I know Justice Kavanaugh uh, took the NCAA to task, saying, "Name another industry that gets to basically force people to work for free." Right. It's the greatest heist in all of business and sports, and they've hid behind the word amateur for way too long because the revenue is there. Finding the fair market value is going to be difficult. Because obviously star players are going to be able to sign autographs and they're in more demand, but you got to have uniformity. I, I would like to see athletes all get the same stipend, mm-hmm. but if there is a, a star athlete that can um, sell his jersey or sign autographs, then that's going to be you know based on demand. So to give a number is going to be pretty difficult, and it does open Pandora's box a little bit because now you have boosters that will say, oh, well, hey, I'll give you some money because right. uh, we'll just say that you're doing an autograph signing. So I can see where the slippery slope is, and it's going to be really tough to regulate some of that. But what? something has to be done because for far too long, uh, athletes uh, are, are being – they are really being exploited. I know people don't like that word, but it, it is true. I lived what? it. Ryan, thank you, by the way. Uh, have a wonderful, wonderful show, and uh, I'll see you in a cab again soon. Yeah, you got it. Shaka Khan today on Windy City Live at 1 o'clock. Look at that. Shuck, 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 shuck. 
Shaka Khan at 1 o'clock. Outstanding. He's Ryan Cheverini, uh, host of Windy City Live, weighing in as a, as a former college athlete a little bit on, on what that's like. There's still time, though, Judy. You want to restore our faith in humanity. A Florida A&M University student wasn't thinking about getting likes or retweets when he pulled his car over, opened the trunk, and passed out shoes, clothing, and other items to a homeless man standing by the side of the road. College senior Jabari Richardson who was in the process of moving, decided giving his things away rather than selling them was good karma. Thankful to have more than he needed, he was simply passing it forward. He says, as he was growing up, his mom always taught him there's a lot of people that are in need. Not everyone's blessed. Well, he probably didn't know that his selfless act would go unnoticed. Would go noticed. I said that wrong, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, because the entire episode was caught on video by the car behind him. It was posted to TikTok mm-hmm. with the caption, I don't know this young man, but he deserves to go viral. Viral he did. Six million views and counting. He says, hey, it was just a heartfelt yeah. gesture. And the, the good deed is its own reward, right? Exactly. It's character. It's do, doing the right thing when nobody's watching, Always. right? Thank you very much, Judy. We appreciate it. And uh, we thank you guys for listening today. Also, uh, give a, give a shout-out to uh, MG and everyone over in Mission Control, including Brett. It's his birthday today. Oh, it is. Over happy there birthday. in Mission Control. Thank you for, oh, for pressing the buttons properly. Uh, on the other side of the double-pane bulletproof glass today, Joey. Oh. All right. Shout-out to him. Infant producer Miranda in studio. Thank you for all of your work today on the ones and twos. And Nick Gale's going to stand by. He, he's got all the news, the traffic, the weather, the weather, the weather, the traffic, the information you need. It's all coming up right here on 890 WLS.